Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. and welcome to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. This is the podcast where we talk to the people behind the productivity. We learn about their failures and successes on how they've implemented personal daily productivity. This week, I am talking with Chris Locurdo, formerly a VP for Dave Ramsey. And this is one of those episodes where I really wanted to talk to Chris for a long time. He was a great inspiration in his work with the Entree Leadership Podcast. If you listen to that podcast, which let's face it, you should be, then you know that they interview guests every week and talk about specific topics. And obviously, that show was very much an inspiration for this show. Chris and I talk about productivity in leadership, living a balanced life, and being there for your team members when they're hurting. Well, this week, it is another just a thrill for me to talk to somebody I've wanted to talk to for a long time. One of the initial guests I thought of getting way down the road when I started this show, and we're now, what, 20-something episodes in, Chris Locurdo. Dude, it is great to be on the show. I'm, it is an honor for me. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you. I think I tweeted this, and your enthusiastic response right there reminded me of when you had Robert D. on your show. Oh, my gosh. Robert <laughs> I was, D. When I was done listening to the final product, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm alive. Dude, I, I, I was high for the next day. He has so much energy. I'm like, I'm like, man, I don't even have to do anything. I don't need coffee. I don't need anything. I just need to be by Robert D. and I've got energy for the next week. We need to bottle him and make him an energy <laughs> drink. When you asked him, you know, how do you have all this energy? Because he's up there in his years. He's not old, but he's up there. And you asked him that. At least 20,000 days. That's yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He effectively said, in different words, fake it till you make it as far as your attitude and your energy. Like you act that way and then you find that you are that way. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a, it's a, your attitude. Uh, I was talking – as a matter of fact, this morning I interviewed uh, Rory Vaden, uh, Take the Stairs. And one of the things that he loves to say is, is that your attitude has nothing to do with your situation. You know, if, you, if your situation can be horrible – but your attitude doesn't have to be that way. If you change it to something exciting, something fun, even in the moment that you're not having fun, even at that time, it doesn't matter. And a classic example of that, uh, the other day I was leaving, I had to get somewhere for an appointment. I left my house and I don't know, dude, I don't know if you're like me, but I will push it to the last minute. I mean, I'll, I push everything to the last minute. And so I leave my house. Well, there's a slow truck on the road. I'm like, no big deal. I get past the truck. There is a crew that is shut down the road. I'm like, no big deal. I get to the freeway. There is an oversized load that is just crawling. I'm like, you know what? It's not going to, you are not going to get me down. This is not going to change my day. I've got to get to where I got to get and I'm going to be fine. As I'm going down the freeway, kid you not, my rear view mirror pops off the window and lands. I'm like, (laughs) This is hilarious. It's like everything is trying to either mess me up or slow me down or do something. I'm like, I'm going to be fine. This is good. I'm going to get going. 
And so I think I've learned that in life as well is that you can, if your attitude is happy, even though things are funky and, and messing up, I think you can get through. Man, I believe that. At least I believe it in my head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I want to believe it in my heart. Right. <laughs> so let's get back on track here. Uh, obviously, something that you just kind of announced, you work for, well, let's say Lampo Group. Some people do that wrong. They say, I, you know, Dave Ramsey Company or whatever, something like that. It's officially, it's the Lampo Group, right? Well, the Lampo Group is the corporate name, but we always call it Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey Organization. Uh, and for over 12 years, I've been one of the VPs there, uh, one of the speakers, teachers, all that fun stuff. And so after 12 years of teaching leaders, teaching entrepreneurs, coaching businesses, ripping businesses apart, putting them back together, it's, uh, it, I made one of the toughest decisions in my life, and that was to go out on my own and start my own business and do this stuff uh, by myself. And it was very difficult. It was one that uh, Dave and I, gosh, we struggled with it. We, we met like four times talking about it. And it broke both of our hearts, and there was a lot of tears. And But at the end of the day, he has done such an incredible job of creating great leaders. He's done such an incredible job of, of creating entrepreneurs that at the end of the day, you just want to be more like it. And so that is, that is what I have decided to do. And uh, right out of the chute, it's been pretty amazing. As an entree leader, you can't help but want to go create a new business, right? That's it. That's it. And again, uh, it's because I've spent over 12 years with one of the greatest mentors out there, you know, learning and knowing and running a business for him and doing these things and, and saying, my gosh, you know, I, I love it so much. I want to do more of it. Yeah. Man. Well, we're going to spend the time that we have picking your brain, not Dave's. Feel so, <laughs> first question. Okay, let me be real here. It is, wasn't it that John Acuff really just made one too many cracks about your hair? Yeah. Is that what it is? You can be, you can be honest. That was a huge factor. Okay. A- Acuff and his, and his uh, jokes, that, that was a huge – no, it, not at all. Uh, John, I tell you what, is a great, great guy. I love working with that guy. He has got more ideas. He's kind of like Robert D. Uh, he's got a lot of energy, but he's got a lot of ideas. I mean, he's just – he's brilliant with the stuff that he comes up with. But no, that uh, that did not play a part. Yeah, well, and as I'm thinking about that, that wouldn't make sense anyway because he's the minority in terms of the speaking team with you and Dave and Chris uh, Hogan. <laughs> so <laughs> you almost have to not have as much hair to be on that team. I think so. I so, think so. That's, that's a sign of wisdom. That's that. You know, the Bible says it's a, it's a crown, right? A crown of glory or something. Yeah. Well, I ask every single guest a certain question, and that's this, that in an ideal world, how would you start your day? Ugh. An ideal world. And you can be truthful. It doesn't have to be what you actually do. You can uh, share, I mean, you can share what you actually do, but how would, would you really want to? I would probably start it by, uh, in France, in a uh, pastry shop with coffee and a chocolate croissant. And sitting down with somebody and just having an incredible conversation, getting to know them, and just focusing on enjoying life. That would probably be a very good start for me. And then uh, taking it from there and finding out how I could use that day to bless somebody's life, how I could help somebody in something. Awesome. So then since you're not waking up in France every day, (laughs) how do you get going? How do you know... Okay, here's what I got to do today. Here's what I've got to do to get myself moving towards that, etc. I learned something from a great friend of mine once. She taught me that I needed to, when I get up in the morning, to do a brain dump. Mm-hmm. So first thing, I get up, I go get a cup of coffee because the, I can't do a brain dump until I've got a little bit in me. I come down and sit down and just whatever is there, doesn't matter what it is, whatever it is, right? there's been days I've been like, you know, writing, I have nothing in my brain. I have nothing because you know, there just wasn't anything. And then there's days just stuff flows. And it does a couple of things. One, it clears the night out. It clears some of those thoughts that you had from yesterday out. And it focuses on, you know, what do I need to do today? It gives you some ideas. Like there's many times I get great ideas out of that, that brain dump. So that takes about 15 minutes. Sometimes it takes five minutes. But that just kind of gets the juices flowing, gets the brain going. 
depending upon the day, I'll either go work out, which is much needed. I haven't done that enough lately. Or I'll get right into setting up my day social media-wise for the things that I do. Um, a lot of people look to you know, my advice from, from writing the, the blog and, and putting out a leadership post every day. Uh, so getting that out there, again, my goal is to, to change lives and help lives. So getting that out there, finding bits and pieces of wisdom that will help them through the day, uh, getting those things going, and then focus on what else have I got. Take a look at my schedule and see where I can fit in what pieces. What am I supposed to start with? What's my to-do list say? You know, this is my this is the beginning things, the things I have to do today. So just get on them, get them knocked out, and go from there. Are you a morning person or are you a night owl? I am neither, which is funny. I have no choice but to be a morning person because my body makes me, but I don't like it. Uh, but because of that, I can never be a night owl. I, I want to stay up late. I want to be like everybody else. But for some reason, I mean, if I get to 6 or 6.30, man, I've slept in. My body snaps awake. It's like, dude, get up. As a matter of fact, recently, for some reason, I've been waking up 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, you're kidding, right? And it's like, no, go to work. So I'll get up, start working, get things knocked out. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it probably doesn't feel great, but it probably feels great after you do it. Yeah, it does. You can get so much done when it's just you taking care of business. Yeah. Recently, our mutual friend, Andy Traub, put out his book, Early to Rise, which is Early to Rise. So yeah. many people are you have you were you doing that beforehand have you has any of the stuff from that helped you out at all yeah it uh, a lot of that stuff i was I was glad to see that I was doing a lot of it, but there's a lot of it that Andy's helped me with Andy's phenomenal I love that guy uh, another one of those geniuses that just have such great information but it's so funny to hear Andy say he wasn't that guy yeah you know, it was something that he started doing to go oh wow and I have taken from that and looked at what I do and go, you know what? There have been mornings I've been like, I still want to get up that early. And I'm like, crud, if Andy's doing it, I'm doing it. So <laughs> <laughs> if Andy can do it, I can do it. I can do it. Surely. Yeah. So if you're doing that, I know your wife was also, well, okay. So that, that brings up an interesting question actually, because your wife also works at Lampo. Yep, she sure does. She's an executive vice president there. She's on the board there. So Now, is she staying put or is she going with you? No, she's staying put. Okay, no. cool. She is staying put. And we've been personal friends with Dave for, gosh, I don't know how many years, 20-some years now. So yeah. Yeah, there, there's no reason for her not to. That's awesome. So then as you're moving out into do your own thing, I mean, are you going to basically be doing what you were doing but on your own like you're going to do the ripping apart of the businesses and, and yeah. all that? The thing that I have found is that I am great at tearing businesses apart and putting them back together. Uh, I'm great on teaching leadership. I'm great on teaching people how to run their business. I'm great on coaching them through the process. So that is going to be a lot of the stuff that I'm doing anywhere from just spending a little bit of time coaching some businesses to I go into some of these companies and I'll spend a couple of days ripping it apart, teaching them new perspective, planning, getting the, the leadership team on, uh, on the same page so they've got a plan on a page essentially, working through their, their strategic planning, working through how is our team set up, is it even working the right way it's supposed to be, and then setting up what are we going to do for the next five years. You know, I've been teaching businesses long enough to know most companies have an idea of what they want to do in five years. They have no plan what they want to do in five years. And so after a couple of days, they're able to walk away with an incredible plan of saying, oh, not only is this where we're going, but we know how to get there. That is what grows most businesses. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, as you've done some of that tearing apart and you're looking inside and they're kind of you know, peeling back the curtain and letting you see things that maybe they're not even willing to let themselves see sometimes – Oh, I'll, I'll get it out of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, the funny thing is it's rough and it hurts, but at the end they're like, oh my gosh, that was spectacular. I think sometimes some of the stuff that you come across, probably a lot of it is indicative of the culture that the organization has built up, but that the culture is coming from the leader and that the leader or management has just some major flaws when it comes to their own self-management or their own accountability or their own time management. Can you speak to that a little bit? If you're asking Chris Licurto what is culture, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you it's two things: it's actions and attitudes. 
And for me, that describes what culture is, period. Uh, and so when it comes down to running a business, what I have learned, and again, I've coached thousands of people. And the thing that I have learned every single time is, is that your culture is the way that it is because you allow it to be that way. Now, that allow can be one of two things. It can be allow because you haven't done anything about it or because you have been specific in trying to do it. One of the things I speak on when I do keynotes and stuff like that is speaking about culture. And I am adamant about this. You either force the culture that you want in your business or it will be forced upon you in a different way. And it may be a bad way. So when you look at those types of things, when you look at how a business is run, when you look at the problems that it has, when you look at issues and and lack of communication and so on and so on and so on, 99% of the time you can point it back to leadership. It really technically is 100% of the time, but every now and then there'll be something that pops up that's just weird. But 99% of the time you take a look back at, at leadership and go, oh, well, here's the reason why. And that is one of the things that I have specialized in for so long is actually getting in there and finding those pieces that cause it or what's you know creating a lack of great communication and a lack of great culture and pointing that out and saying, oh, look, if we do these things, this will change everything. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Do you see any kind of patterns? Like if you're a doctor and you're like, okay, here's this symptom and this symptom, you know, what are the common symptoms, in other words, of like leadership fail when it comes to, you know – their own personal self-management? The biggest thing I see is I see leaders who had bad leaders, and so they either lead just like them or they think that they're trying to lead in a different way, but they don't know how to. Uh, you, you are a product of what you learned from. So as a leader, I learned how to be a leader from the leaders before me. I've had some good ones. I've had some horrible ones. And each time I'm either gaining from them in a good way or I'm gaining from them in a bad way. So it is common for me to discover the reason why people are leading the way they're leading is because they, didn't, they don't know how to do it any other way. And they're running 90 to nothing. So they're not taking the time to find somebody like me and say, all right, what do I do to fix this? What are, what are the steps that I need to be better at this? Instead, they're going, hey, my hair's on fire. I got I to gotta keep going. I got to keep making things happen. I got a business to run. I got, you know, too many goals. If you will stop and take time to discover those pieces, it changes everything about your business. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and am intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com to learn more. Everything. So it ultimately comes down to you've got to break the cycle. You, you have to. You have to. 
Otherwise, you just keep, you know, the definition of insanity and what the 12-steppers say. You can keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, but if you expect a, a different result, that's insanity. It doesn't change anything. You keep doing the same thing going, why has nothing changed? Because you haven't changed. You've got to get in there and go, okay, I don't know the answers. I, I, I don't know if you know this, but I race formula cars. It's something that I've, I've always wanted to do in the last couple of years. I've, I've been racing formula cars. And I will come off the track, and I've got a team that brings my car, that shows up, that, uh, you know, the pit crew does the, everything on it. And I came off the track one day, and I parked that car, and I got out, and I said, boys, I, I don't even know what to tell you. All I know is this is happening, and this is happening, and I, can't, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to figure it out. One of the mechanics just started shaking his head. I had a big smile on his face. And I go, dude, what? And he goes, man, he says, you do not know how much we love having you around. I was like, what? <laughs> Okay, why? He goes, because you don't know everything. He said, and in racing, that is hard to find. Drivers always know everything. They've always got the answer, you know, and you can't teach them. They're not teachable. The thing is, for leaders, you have to understand you don't know everything. If you did, you wouldn't have a team. You wouldn't have leadership. It would just be you barking out orders to people who just crank stuff out. Oh, man. Yeah. Do you have a team in place for yourself then, a group that you'll say, I don't know what's going wrong, but something is wrong? Like, in other words, if your life was that car, like, is that what you're saying? Like, you need a team? Well, you don't necessarily need a team. However, what you're saying is spectacular. I have people, I have leaders, I have Dave, I have some other folks that I can go to and go, hey, help me out here. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, But if you don't have that in place, find somebody who's an expert. Find somebody who knows what they're doing. And I'm not just talking about going to some consultant who, you know, <laughs> the funny thing is as I coach, I don't ever want to be seen as a consultant mm. because they don't, they don't know your business. They don't understand what you're doing. Find somebody who's an expert at it, somebody who, who knows how to rip a business apart, somebody who knows how to look at a leader and find the areas that are, are weak spots and find the areas that maybe they're not recognizing and allow that person to be blunt when I go into companies, it's so funny because, you know, I've got these CEOs, these entrepreneurs that hire me and like come in and fix my team. I'm like, dude, here's what you got to understand. I'm going to rip you apart, too. And they always got to get this look on their face like, oh, crud, I'm actually going to pay this guy to beat me up. And I'm like, this is if you want to grow, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to work on the whole business, not just your team. You are a part of this. And as I go in and I work with these teams, I tell them, I say, listen, my goal is going to be to get you agitated. I want some agitation in this room because I want to get to the truth. I want to get to the heart of what's going on. If we can do that, then I can promise you this. At the end of the day, you will love me. It may hurt in the process. It may be frustrating in the process, but you will love me. Every single time I walk out of businesses, they're like, um, you're coming back, right? You're going to come back and, and work with us some more? Because they, they see it's okay to get in there it's okay to be confrontational. It's okay to point out the weak spots. It's okay to find the, the areas that are bad because when we do that, when we're honest, when we're clear about it, now we can fix those problems. It's the guys who keep shoving it under the rug or denying that they have a problem or denying that their leadership is struggling that continue to fail. And I know you guys have touched on the Zig Ziglar wheel of life in the past where he's got the different categories like career – financial, social, spiritual, physical, intellectual, and family. And I think what it is is that when people aren't honest with one of those pieces, one of those spokes in the wheel, it's just so out of whack. I mean, if you're not honest, you can't get the help you need. If you typed in Wheel of Life on the Internet, it pulls up chrislacurdo.com. It is a post that I wrote. Uh, It's Zig Ziglar's Wheel of Life. I wrote a post about it. In May of 2010, and it consistently, every single month, is a top 10 post, almost two years later. And the reason I believe is because people are coming to an understanding, I don't know how to balance my life. I don't even know what balanced life looks like. I need to find that. I need to understand. Because if all you do, and speaking to the entrepreneurs out there, if all you do is focus on career, 
you have a severely out of round tire. Blah 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 blah. I mean, it can't rotate correctly. You're lacking in all these other areas. You're hurting your family. You're hurting your friends. You're hurting yourself. And in the long run, 20, 30 years later, you're going to look back and go, my gosh, was it worth all of that? So you have to have a balanced life. And people are always asking me, is that even possible? Yes, it is possible. I'm not saying there aren't going to be times that, you know, what we call ox in the ditch times. The ox is in the ditch. Go get the ox out. Do whatever it takes to get the ox out of the ditch. You may work overtime. You may work long hours. You may, like right now, I'm I'm, re- I'm building yet another business, and I've got a real estate business as well, and I'm building another business, and so these are I'm working some hours. I'm doing some things that I need to do to grow this thing, but it's not going to always be that way. You've got to find that balance. What does the social life look like? Most entrepreneurs don't have one because they're so locked down into their business that they don't have a social life. Now, the funny thing is if you ask them, they're like, well, I don't want one anyways, yeah, you actually do. You don't know it, but when you actually get outside of this, even if it's just going with some friends to go fishing, even if it's just going to a, a race somewhere, even if it's just going and hanging out, whatever it is, when you do that, you're able to unplug from the one thing that gnaws at you day after day after day, and that's business. And people ask me, you know, what is the one thing that you would tell people? If you can come to an understanding that what you do is what you do, it's not who you are that will change your life. Most people can't figure that out. I mean, going back to the car analogy, heck, because it's working. Uh, <laughs> when the wheels get run so much, even if you have balance, you're going to get out of balance. The just seasons happen, so you've got to rotate the tires. Yes, they do. Yes, so, absolutely. Like you, like you were just talking about, you're in a new, you're starting a new season, and so you're, you know, putting more emphasis on certain spokes while trying to maintain a balance across all of them. And it's just like, you know, but you can do it because you know it's for a season. Absolutely. When I, when I started the business 12 years ago, I, I worked until 10 o'clock at night, all day Saturday, Sunday afternoons. I busted it for months. And then I put, built it to a place where I had the cash flow to hire people. I brought people in, took the load off. Then I built a great team. But it was in phases. It was in steps. And it, it changed a lot of stuff. Now I'm back to that place of going, oh, <laughs> I'm going to put in some late nights. Understand it, do it, make it happen. But if I'm still doing this six months down the road, there's a problem. I'm not doing something right. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about maybe some of your experiences between, you know, since you and your wife both have worked in the same place for a while, how you've maintained as a team your balance across these, these spokes of the wheel? Again, in the beginning, there wasn't that balance. In the very beginning, um, I had an understanding. I've got a business to build. I've got to grow something. I've got to make something happen. So in the beginning, there wasn't that balance. As I got to a place where I said, okay, I've got some money. I can hire people. I can make this happen. I can grow this team. And I started dropping those people in place. Then it was very important at that point to say, what am I lacking in my life? Because if all I do is drop the people in place and keep working until 10 o'clock at night, then I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to destroy myself. I'm not going to have a life. I'm going to get so burned out that I'll never be able to make this happen. So then it was a, hey, how do I take a look at this wheel and go, okay, now where's my focus? What, what am I doing for my intelligence? Am I doing anything? Am I going to any events? Am I reading books? Um, I haven't read books in a while because I've been so busy. Let's, let's start putting some books on the list. What list am I going to read? My book list, uh, people are always suggesting, hey, dude, you've got to read this book. I will get to it in about five years because I have got a stack of books that I've been keeping up with. And as I go through them, you know, I get through them, I'm adding more to that stack all the time. What am I going to do about my social life? If I don't have a social life, I'm going to be very frustrated. You know, and, and it doesn't mean going out to parties and going out and do It means I, I have a guy's night that I do once a month. You know, I've got a, a specific group of, of folks that, that come on over and we just, we just chill. I mean, we just enjoy each other's company and it's a fun time. We may talk business. We may not. We may talk sports. We may not. But we just have a, a, an enjoyable time together. Um, I've got some great friends. One of my best friends, Ronnie, we will just hang and do stuff or go to dinner or, or go on trips or, you know, whatever. It's fun. It's just it's a good time. It's something that I need. 
what am I going to do about my career? Well, I'm focusing on that pretty much every day. So that's kind of taken care of. What about my finances though? Do I have goals for my finances? Instead of just having my finances in order, instead of just being debt free, do I have goals? What, what am I doing outside of here? Because of that, that's why I have a real estate company that I've been doing for the last couple of years. You know, I, I needed some financial goals, some, something I can do with that. So each piece as I stepped down from being, you know, hey, the ox is in the ditch, get the ox out. Once the ox got out of the ditch, I had to start looking at each piece, go, all right, put this in place, put this in place, put this in place. When you start out, you may only be doing 5%, 10%, but eventually you will start to see the balance in there as well. Now, do you think that this is something that somebody could do once they're feeling, you know, the wobble happen a little bit and they've been maybe pushing themselves too far, that they should take maybe, a, you know, say, hey, you know, husband or wife, can I take a day or even just a half morning and go to Starbucks and just sit and, you know, write and, and look at these and just kind of self-evaluate or what would you suggest to somebody who's feeling that? Yeah, I would totally suggest that. I would, I would not suggest going to Starbucks if you're even the slight, you know, even a little bit distracted. True. Go get you some Starbucks and then go find a quiet place where you can sit down and be honest with yourself. Now, it, you have to take a look at each spoke on the wheel and say, where am I with that? What am I doing to grow my intelligence? What am I doing to grow my spiritual walk? Go ahead and list those things out and then start saying, okay, now what am I going to do about it? What are my goals going to be? If my goal to grow my intelligence is to read a book a month, all right, how am I going to do that? Where am I going to drop the time in each day? Where am I going to make this happen? And how much should I have done by the end of each week? Let's set some goals on this. If I get to the end of the week and I haven't read anything, all right, now I'm finding some time Saturday morning and I'm going to bust out reading a bunch. But if I take it in pieces and I go, you know what, all I need to do is read 10 minutes a day, 15, 30 minutes a day, whatever your goal is, great. But put that down in a place. You've got to set the goals on that. So yeah, and it's not going to happen. You're not going to come up with this list in 15 minutes. Like you say, you're going to plan on taking a half day. Plan on taking a half day, being honest, real, open. Um, look at where you are. Be honest with yourself where you are. Um, and then... You know, how am I going to do this? One of the things I, I teach is a life plan. Uh, how, you know, it's a two-day where I have people come here to Nashville, and I focus on showing them what's going to be the next step in your life. What is the plan for your life? What do you want to do? How do you want to grow you as a person? And it's vitally important for people to understand this isn't something that happens in a 30-minute, you know, brain dump. This is something that you need to walk through this process to get to a place where you can go, okay, now I feel clear. I know Michael Hyatt, especially recently, has been a huge fan of doing journaling. Is that something you do at all? Yes. Uh, I would see that as more of like a, a miniature maintenance version of this. That, the funny thing is, is that my journaling is, is my brain dump in the morning mm. and then my writing. People have always told me the reason why I love your writing is because I feel like I'm having a conversation with you. And that is that's because I'm I'm technically journaling. You know, I'm putting down information of saying, This is how I'm feeling about this, this is what I believe about this, this is how I want to help people with this. So for me, that is a great way for me to get all of that out. But the brain dump is a big part. That getting that information out first thing in the morning. The, the ideas that I have for the day, the thoughts, the things that the conversations I had yesterday that I need to, you know, put down on paper. I, I went to uh, uh, recently I was in Texas with a company and spent a day with them just ripping things apart and got on the plane and wrote for two hours, two hours. I journaled what we worked on and what we talked about. Because I wanted to get out the things that I had helped them with so that I can look at that and go, okay, this is, you know, this is helping me to restructure my brain. Here's some things I learned in the process. You know, here's some things that worked really well with them in this process. Here's something that was specific to just them. Here's something that didn't work there. You know, piece after piece after piece. As I did that, it just brought so much clarity. Well, and there's not much else you can do if you're uh, stuck up there. You, you can watch a movie or you can grow yourself. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that you didn't really blog a whole lot about, but did 
really on Twitter and, and Facebook, social media wise, was share a bit about the the recent kind of family crisis that you you had. And I, I got to say, from somebody who literally I had seen you on stage in Indianapolis talking about how Dave's organization was walking along a a fellow team member that was working with their uh, gosh I don't I don't remember the story but it was it was a family situation that something had to do with cancer or something like that and that you guys were just there you were there for him yeah. you know and I just as soon as I heard about your situation I felt you know the the twinge of oh it's an emergency and then suddenly I felt Dave's company and and his culture there they've they're they've got Chris this is good and and I prayed and, and other people I joined in with others and but can you talk about walking through that as as a leader for your family as well as some of the support you received for that yeah I, it, it has been a very difficult three years it's been a very difficult three years um, three years ago my mother-in-law fell and and hit her head and had a very traumatic brain injury. We thought we were going to lose her in the hospital. Um, she survived that only to not be the same person. And so for a year, we took care of her uh, at the house, um, almost completely bedridden. Um, and a year later, she passed away. Um, a few months later, my oldest stepdaughter got cancer. Like, you got to be kidding me. That's not the thing that you think you're going to hear. You don't think of of a child getting cancer. You think of your parents or something. Um, praise God. She was healed of that. It was a, it was another process, but praise God. She was healed of that. Uh, removed it, took it out. She's good to go. Um, and then a couple months later, uh, my youngest stepdaughter had a ruptured brain aneurysm. And I got to tell you, man, uh, you, you want to talk about life just coming to a screeching halt? That that happened. 6.30 in the morning, we were running downstairs uh, to find her in the shower. And uh, she had an aneurysm that uh, when it ruptures, uh, the neurovascular surgeon, which, by the way, was just a godsend. Uh, he said, it's like taking a punch to your brain from Mike Tyson and not having your skull in place. Um, it was such a heavy and harsh thing to her brain that it also what's called stunder heart, which is bigger than a heart attack. Now, this is a, a 25-year-old girl. Um, and we had to life flight her to uh, Vanderbilt. And I, I am a, a huge Stanford football fan. Always have been. I have now become a Vandy fan, at least for their hospital. Maybe not their football team, but their hospital. Because they... They worked on her forever. We got there at like seven something in the morning and we did not see her until late that afternoon. And when we did, she had tubes and I mean, 14 different medicines and going into her body and just crazy. And it was one of those things that the specific aneurysm that she had, the ruptured aneurysm, 17% of people actually live. 17%. Wow. Um, of, of those, 33% are in a vegetative state, 33% are um, affected for the rest of their life, and 33% get back to as close to normal as possible. And here we are. We're now spending the next seven weeks in the uh, Vanderbilt Neuro ICU uh, critical care unit hoping hoping that, that, you know, and praying like crazy. And so one, I, I thank you for your prayers. Um, I, I appreciate everybody who, who prayed because, uh, she is a miracle. Seven weeks in neuro ICU, eight weeks in a rehabilitation center, um, then brought her home and little bit by little bit by little bit, every day she gets a little bit better. Uh, and they say that eventually she should be part of that almost 5% of people who actually get back to normal. Uh, as we walk through that process, 6.30 in the morning, we're having life flight come down here to pick her up. Um, in that afternoon, we have the Vanderbilt ICU waiting room, which is a decent size full of people. I mean just full of people. People were coming by going, man, it must have been a really bad day in ICU. I'm like, no, that's just one, fa- that's just one person. 
And the team came around. Dave, by the way, Dave and Sharon, uh, we got to the hospital at, I think I said, 7.10 in the morning. At 7.15, Dave and Sharon were coming in the door. And that was just, ah, it's going to get me emotional thinking about it. Yeah. Um, that's a leader. That is a leader. You know, obviously, that's a good friend, but that's a leader. Uh, and they stuck with us and uh, walked with us through this. We had teams bringing food. Oh, my gosh, we had so much food. We were feeding the other families. We had people praying. We had people going, Can, do you want me to come cut your lawn? Do you want me to do, you know, what is it? Do you, do you need your house cleaned? I mean, some of the stuff that just came up. And the, the crazy thing is, unless you've been in this situation, you don't understand it. Being there for people and surrounding them in their worst times, it's, it's so necessary. It's so needed. And so our company just came around us, and ours was the third, believe it or not, the third brain injury that our company had in a year. So we had the first one was um, one of the guys that works there. His son had one. Steve Neesmith's son had one. Um, Matt Woodburn, our, our COO, had a brain injury. And then Chelsea had a brain injury. And every time our company rallied around people and just took care of them wasn't just about doing tasks and making things easier. It was about being a family and supporting them. So it, 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 it still to this day is stunning. Yeah. I mean, it's just a huge testament to how just the tribe, if, you know, if that's a way that people can understand it better. I mean, you've used the word family. I mean, it really is. That's yeah. what it ends up being. Yeah. And, and you do that. You do, you know, I guess people say that sometimes you do for family. It's one of those things where it's, 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 it's life. It's messy. And no amount of preparation can really prepare you for it. But, uh, I mean, it's nice. I mean, it's nice to try and be prepared. That's great. But, uh, I mean, when it, when it comes down to it, you, I mean, those, I, I guarantee you, there's tons of people, those, the, the people that are members of the, the Chris Locurto tribe and the, the team there that they didn't have really the time or some, some of them even the energy or anything, but they knew the significance of stepping up and serving and being there for you. And so they were able to instantly reprioritize. And oh, that's just that's just awesome. Yeah. I, I gotta say I learned one of the most profound things I ever learned in my life came from my uh former pastor's wife. Uh she passed away uh years ago. And one day we had a bunch of kids that were just crying out. We had a big retreat and there was a lot of them that had had some things they were struggling with. And so we were just having this big prayer time. And she came up to me. Now I'm six foot three and she was just itty bitty. I mean, if, if, if she was over five foot, I'm shocked. And she came up to me and she put her arm around me and she said, Chris, always be there when they're hurting. And that has stuck with me for 20 years. Always be there when they're hurting. That, that, you, you can be there when somebody celebrates. You can be there when they've had great accomplishments. You can be there when, when they've gotten great gifts. None of it, none of it is as impactful as being there when they're hurting. And sometimes you don't have to say anything. There's such a thing as the, the presence, uh, the ministry of presence, just being there for them. I, and I got to thank the, uh, the CELO tribe at crystalcurta.com. They came around me. They were sending stuff to the hospital. I had a company, uh, I mean, they're sending gifts, all kinds of stuff. I had a company in New York that I had worked with in, in a year, Don Brown Bus, I mean, not in a year, uh, within a month before that. They were, they were sending breakfast every morning. Now, listen to me. If you've ever got somebody in a situation like this, this is genius. They were sending breakfast every morning, not just for us, but for the staff and the neuro ICU. Because these are folks that are, that are working insane hours eating just junk that they have there. And when that came in, um, it made that team's day. I mean, it was incredible. And so I, when, when people do stuff like that, man, be happy for me because I, I do fun stuff. But that's the most impactful thing that's ever happened to me. Wow. Jeez. Uh, I, yeah, man. I, I did not expect to get that kind of a – a response honestly that's just so awesome i mean i knew amazing things happened but it, i mean it, it just you hear it and it's it's just new it, it changes your life yeah man 
so being there, man, yeah, that's definitely one of those things. And and the funny thing is, is it's it's heck to touch on the whole financial thing. It's like if. Sorry, I got a little emotional just Dude, hearing that. that. Hey, I, did. <laughs> I did. That's how I've been for a long time. So please feel free to be emotional. It, it when it comes down to it is ultimately, I mean, obviously, you've been working with Dave for so long. You have, you know, obviously the financial the re, it's resource management, and you guys, you know, he started off talking about management of a singular resource, money. But as time went on, moved into other management of resources where where it's management of time and and effort and all those different things. And that's kind of where I you know I'm talking about with with this show. And it really comes down to if you can do better at managing some of these resources, you then get to bless people. You get that opportunity. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh my gosh, it, people don't understand this. You, do you remember the Oklahoma City bombing? Yeah. You remember all those. Uh, Christian churches got their windows blown out. Mm-hmm. Do you know who paid for them to be fixed? No. Most people don't know this. The synagogues. The local synagogues who have been following God's principles on handling finances forever, they had the cash to step up and take care of the Christian churches because they've done a great job managing their resources. That should be a massive testament to anybody who's walking around going, I just don't know what to do with my finances. Well, why don't you follow what God says? <laughs> you know, when you when you manage your resources correctly, you get to use it for emergencies. You get to do it, use it to bless people. I mean, the, it, it changes your life when you're sitting in a, a restaurant and you see a pregnant woman who you know she needs extra cash right at the moment. You know, if she's a single mom, then she's going to definitely, she's working below the poverty level, most likely. And I'm not just saying all pregnant women are like this. I'm just saying, you know, I've been in some restaurants where I've gone, oh my gosh, that person needs some money. And I've left a huge tip, a huge tip, just because I could bless them with that. And I know it's going to change their life. I, I, I did that at a restaurant one time, went out, got in my car and started to leave. And the gals, little pregnant gal, as she picked that up, I left a, I think, I don't know, it was like a $7 meal and I left a $100 tip in there. As she opened it, she held it up and she didn't move. She just stood there staring at it. She stared at it for so long that another waitress walked on over and was like, what are you doing? And she just couldn't believe what was going on. It was so nice to drive away and see that response. Yeah. I mean, when you can and then you do, you, you get it back. Yes, absolutely. And it's not even about getting it back, but anyway. So. No, no. The funny thing is, I don't know if you if you were listening to the, the podcast with Rabbi Daniel Appen, who mm-hmm. I love, but um, you know, in churches we teach all the time that God, if you give, if you tithe, God will bless you. But it's not necessarily a financial blessing. He's going to bless you. Well, I was talking, I was uh, interviewing Rabbi Lappin. I said, and God doesn't promise that He'll give us money. And He goes, No, no, that's where you're wrong. That's where people are wrong. The word, when it's, when it's mentioned in the Bible there, it actually has two meanings. One meaning is blessing and the other is wealth. When you tithe, when you give, God actually does say, yeah, I'm going to give you more because you are faithful in the little. Well, that as we're nearing our time ending here, that's something I want to touch on real quick is you've interviewed so many people. I, I'll have to say this, Entree Leadership Podcast was a huge inspiration for me starting this show. And I even tried to emulate it by interviewing different people. So, you know, and, and ask right questions and, and learn how to do that better by listening to what you're asking and be like, oh, that's a good question. Some of those people, you know, just if anybody wants pure inspiration, they honestly should go back uh, and listen to all those episodes. What's going to happen now? Are you, you obviously aren't going to be hosting that, will you? I'm still hosting it for a while. Okay. Um, I'm still speaking for Dave on some events. Um, I've still got, I'll probably be done somewhere around May doing some things, uh, that I'm still doing for him. Uh, but I'll still do the podcast for a little bit. We'll work on some sort of transition. I will surely start my own at some point. Uh, I'm probably going to start some video versions of it as well. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that my goal is to, uh, get a, get a podcast up, get a video channel up and really just help people in this process, put out quality information that changes their lives. 
And then obviously the hub for all of that is going to be chrislocurto.com, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And how do they spell that? If they're just listening to this, driving along, and they want to remember. Chris, C-H-R-I-S, and then Locurto is L-O-C-U-R-T-O. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been just one of those milestones for me as far as being able to interview you. I Again, I want to – I mean I was a huge fan of the Entree Leadership Podcast and when I started mine, I said, well, I, eventually I got to get Chris. So you well, made that – I've checked it off my bucket list. <laughs> I'm glad I was on a bucket list. <laughs> uh, this is an honor for me. This was great you, and fantastic podcast. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Everybody go check out Chris's site and while he's doing Entree Leadership – the podcast and go back, go download all the past episodes. Seriously. Yeah. It's if free. Go, yeah. If you go to iTunes, you can get the Entree Leadership Podcast. And I did a bunch of extended interviews. Mm-hmm. If you go to iTunes, type in my name, Chris Lacurto, and you'll, you'll see both of them will pop up and uh, subscribe to those. And, and I don't often endorse other people's uh, podcasts literally uh, in the audio of the show, but I am this time. Because both those, the, the extended interviews as well as the interviews themselves, just spectacular. Go go grab them. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Anyway, thank you, Chris. So awesome. Thanks for coming by. My pleasure. Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Thanks so much again to Chris Locurto for coming on the show. It was truly an honor to interview him. And again, you can see by the content... I mean, I got choked up a little bit. This was a very powerful episode for me to do. If this is your first episode, you can get all the back episodes and subscribe for free by going to beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes. It's free. We've got tons of other great episodes in there by lots of other great leaders and people to inspire you about how they've done personal daily productivity in their lives. Check it out and we will see you next episode. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Find more great podcasts like How to Podcast, Clean Comedy, Once Upon a Time, Christian Worldview, and more at noodle.mx. Think, laugh, and succeed by subscribing to our podcasts at noodle.mx.